So my point is that you're actually making more by earning less because all real estate is not created equal. So really big to understand that making money is great, keeping your money is even better, and you can make less and keep more in your pocket and grow that tax-free long-term if you have the right tax strategies in it. Welcome to the Free From Wall Street podcast, where we share how we have done over $200 million in real estate deals to create, preserve, and pass on generational wealth without the roller coaster ride of the stock market. If you're ready to start investing with purpose, visit freefromwallstreet.com. But for now, let's dive into this episode. Today, we're going to talk about some of the hurdles that we've been experiencing when talking to our investors or potential investors into our self-storage projects, our multifamily buildings, our apartment complexes, things like that. So as we're having conversations with new investors, we always find new objections, right? What, why wouldn't they invest um, into these deals? And we always want to overcome those hurdles and talk about the mindset of why people wouldn't want to invest in these larger projects. A lot of these people are coming from the stock market, Wall Street, or single-family residential type investments. So when we're talking about large-scale commercial assets, what I want to talk about today is how not all real estate is created equal. And the first thing that we need to understand is what does it look like when you compare Wall Street mutual funds, stocks, bonds, ETFs, and real estate. So if you look, the data is there, and we can send this out to you if you request it from us so we can have a conversation about it. But over the last 120 years or so, real estate has outperformed the stock market consistently. Hands down, it returns better, more consistency with less volatility than the market. Now, if you pick any year over that 120 period of time, 120 year period of time, it's quite possible that you'll find a year where the market beat real estate. But in terms of long-term consistency and growth, nothing beats real estate. So that's easy when we're talking about stocks and bonds and ETFs. What's less easy is why are we moving from the residential space into the commercial space? And understanding that all real estate is not created equal is the crux of this. So number one in residential real estate, let's just talk about how you come to evaluation. How you come to evaluation based on your single family house is you look at your neighbor's house. You look at houses in the neighborhood. You look at what comparable properties are selling for. That's how you come up with evaluation based on price per square foot, amenities, things like that. In the commercial space, it's not like that. It's based on cash flow. So when I go to a bank and I say, Hey, Mr. Lender, what do you think my property is valued at? They come up with a determination based on my net operating income. Why that's a big deal is because you can kind of control that net operating income by increasing rents, decreasing expenses, and creating value by creating a better net operating income. So one of the stats that I've been uh, looking at recently is, okay, so let's talk about the last downturn. So in the last downturn, everybody, so here's the pushback. This is what I'm getting. You know, Steve, we want to invest. We like the idea of it, but what happens when the market turns? I'm afraid of another real estate market crash. Legitimate concern and something that we dissected heavily over the last decade of being in this space is, will that happen in the commercial sector? And if so, to what extent? Will it be the same type of meltdown that happened in 2008? 
So this is where we get into the not all real estate being created equal. So in 2008, the residential mortgage default rate nationwide was between four and 5%. And the multifamily apartment building default rate was 0.4%, while the self-storage facilities were at 0.04%. So self-storage was actually the only asset class to increase in value during the last downturn. Why? People were losing their houses. They needed a place to put their stuff. Um, They were downsizing, so they needed a place to put their stuff. So storage actually does pretty well in a recession. The multifamily deals, depending on what they are, and asset classes that we're buying are class B and C assets. What that means is we're not buying class A, high amenity rich, high-end towers that are you know, all glass fronted and, you know, those types of very high end multifamily complexes, they have some more volatility because when the market turns, those people move out, they go to look for more affordable housing. So we're looking for very worker friendly, blue collar friendly multifamily complexes. When the market's really good, the people that are in the D assets, they move into the C assets, right? They're moving up in the world. They're paying their bills and they're getting into nicer complexes. When the market dips, the B asset people are moving into the C assets. So we like to pick where the most absorption is and where the occupancy rates tend to be the highest. And again, based on cash flow. So when we buy a building, we're not buying a vacant building. We're buying a building that has cash flow. And that cash flow sustains the loan. It sustains the expenses, it carries itself, right? So it pays for itself. So when we say all real estate is not created equal, the last market downturn showed that default rates in residential was almost 10 times what it was in multifamily and almost 100 times what it was in self-storage. So really important to understand that and that that's where valuations come from and that that's why it's easier to get caught in a downturn in the residential space, which is exactly why we're leaving it, is because I don't want to have 30 flips going on with vacant properties with mortgages or private money on them when the market turns, because then we're going to chase the market down and try to liquidate everything really quickly. Conversely, we have multifamily assets that are producing a net operating income after expenses, after debt service. And it's covering all of those things. And if one person moves out, by the way, of a 100-unit building, you still have 99% occupancy. If they're moving out of a single-family residence, you have 100% vacancy. And now you, as the investor, has to cover the mortgage, the taxes, the insurance, all of those things yourself. So we want to take a real hard look as to how are we creating more safe, consistent, stable returns. And you know, as a company, we're anti-volatility, and that's why we get into these large commercial assets. The final thing about why all real estate is not created equal is from an investment perspective, the tax benefits. So we've been flipping houses for 10 years. We've worked ourselves into a very high-paying, highly taxed, active profession. And the IRS has extremely beneficial tax codes for commercial real estate investors. Now, why would they do that? They want you, they want to incentivize you to create housing for people. So when you do that, when you buy a multifamily complex, they give you tax benefits. So most of the wealth that we are creating through cash flow and through tax advantages is completely tax-free. 
and the IRS allows for this. So there's a great book, Tax-Free Wealth by Tom Wheelwright. If you're an investor looking to get involved in multifamily or commercial investing, whether it's with us or by yourself, do yourself a favor and read that and make sure you're working with a CPA that understands that. Because you can do simple things like a cost segregation study, which is basically an engineering report that breaks down the value of the entire building and then allows you to accelerate depreciation into year one on a certain percentage of that building. Let's call it 30%. When we buy a $10 million building, we can write off $3 million in year one and we share that with our investors. So those tax benefits don't really exist in the residential space. They do in the commercial space. So again, that's another way that all real estate is not created equal. So do your research, reach out to us. We have a ton of data on this stuff. It's really a no-brainer when it comes to whether or not we're going to invest in residential or commercial anymore. And we've done the, the residential side for about a decade, as you know, and now we're moving into that full-time commercial space where we're going to take advantage of the tax benefits, we're going to take advantage of the lack of volatility, and we're going to create that passive income, that generational wealth that we all want, and create that financial freedom through these deals. For example, okay, so let's just do a quick example. I don't have a whiteboard behind me, but I think you can follow the, the simple math of this. Let's say I buy a property for 100000 and I'm going to put fifty into it. I'm going to sell it for two hundred. Okay, so that's a $50,000 gross profit. And let's say we have to hire a realtor. We have closing costs, right? So let's say after all is said and done, we have about, what, $12,000 or so in net, net profit after we get taxed, right? So let's say after all is said and done, we make about $20,000 in profit on a flip, which is pretty reasonable, right? If I spend, you know, 150 grand, can I make, can I net 20? after I pay my real estate broker, after I pay my closing costs on both sides, after I pay my contractors. So let's say you're netting about 20 grand. Then you have the tax bracket that you've worked yourself into. Now we've worked ourselves into a very high tax bracket, 45, 50%. But let's be generous about it. And say you've worked yourself into a 35% tax bracket. You're going to net about $12,870. Now, let's say you're a good flipper and you can do two of those in a year. You're only turning your money not once, but twice. So you get to double that profit, right? So you're making about $26,000 or $25,740. Now, that same investment invested into a deal that you're earning, let's say, a 12% return on over a five year period of time, you're making $26,000. So you're making about $1,000 more per year. It's 100% passive, 100% hands-off, and it's 100% tax-free. I'm not an accountant. Contact your CPA. But the IRS, for me, it's going to be tax-free. Your own tax situation will dictate whether or not that's true, and we can refer you to some great CPAs that can talk to you about this. So my point is that you're actually making more by earning less because all real estate is not created equal. So really big to understand that making money is great, keeping your money is even better, and you can make less and keep more in your pocket and grow that tax-free long-term if you have the right tax strategies in it. So we have a lot of people that are following us into this space that used to buy deals from us and say, oh, well, I'm just going to flip this house and make 20 or 30 grand. And they're recognizing that by putting that cash into a passive income investment, they get the tax benefits of it. And it's completely hands-off. They're not getting called in the middle of the night because the tile guy didn't show up or the plumber busted a pipe 
or the AC condenser isn't working or whatever the case may be that we found ourselves in the residential space. So the tax benefits that work in conjunction with uh, commercial real estate far outweigh the benefits of the residential space. So hope that's helpful. Reach out to us, uh, Stephen at IntegrityHG.com. You can go to our website, IntegrityHG.com. Check us out on our podcast, Free from Wall Street. And we will talk to you guys soon. Thanks for listening to the Free from Wall Street podcast. If you like what you hear, leave us a rating and review and let us know what you think.